Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, uh, <laughs> woo! Welcome to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name is Joe Anderson. Wow, that, that's a new intro. You've been practicing yeah, that? Yeah, I've been practicing that. All right, good. Well, Al and I were talking right before we got on. We we had this guy, Sandy Potkin. Yeah. And he would he was a CPA. <laughs> right. And he would just get super excited and woo about, about the smallest of tax deductions. <laughs> right. So uh, we're not going to do that, but yeah, we're still like going to have Rick Flair. We're, we're going to try to have some fun. So um, now that everyone shut the show off, uh, my name's Joey Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. You are listening to Your Money, Your Wealth. We're going to get into potential tax reform. Uh, 2017 uh, could be the year, Alan. It may be, Joe, and we haven't had a big tax reform in a while, and so this, this could be the year. I'm reading this here from um, our good friend Michael Keechus. Okay, yeah. And so, all right, so I'm going to give you a little history lesson for those of you that are really excited about taxes. <laughs> uh, the current really, individual you, income tax <laughs> system. Okay. It was under the 16th Amendment of the Constitution, adopted in 1913. More than 100 years ago, huh? Granted yeah. the federal government to levy a tax on income. All right. So the initial income tax rate, Alan, was 1% on the first 20000 in and 1913 dollars. Those were in 1913 dollars? Yeah. And rose as high as 7% on incomes over 500000 Okay. So let me tell you how this works here. So okay. in today's dollars, that would be 1%. On the first four hundred sixty-three thousand dollars. Okay. So if we adopted the tax code, so if our president-elect says, you know what, let's go back to nineteen thirteen, and worked then, should work now, um, so it'd be one percent on the first four hundred sixty-three thousand dollars. Right. And then the seven percent tax bracket would kick in at eleven million five hundred thousand. Wow, that sounds pretty good. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in. Okay, well then, um, over the decades, Congress simply amended the tax system by adjusting and assessing new taxes in a series of 17 Internal Revenue Acts. Then by 1939, the series of tax rules uh, became the first formal Internal Revenue Code. That was in 1939. Then 19, or what, 15 years later, 1954, that was the first real tax reform. So 1954, a lot of you probably can remember 1954, a lot of our listeners, right? That's when tax rates got as high as 91%. Right. 91%. But with tax rates that high, guess what? There was also kind of crazy deductions and loopholes and everything else. So 1954 brought us the alternative minimum tax. Yeah, because, Joe, there's a lot of high-income individuals that, that actually paid very little or no taxes because they were loading up on deductions. Right, and I think that's why they had to make this thing up to 91%. Yeah. <laughs> 91%. <laughs> 
to try to get. <laughs> I'm gonna get 91 percent out um, of that last four dollars yeah. after all your deductions. <laughs> I mean, really crazy times, right? So 91 percent tax bracket, but you got all these deductions that you could possibly come up with, and so people weren't paying these taxes, and therefore it was it was the 50s that uh, alternative minimum tax came into play, and that really was designed for the wealthiest of people. Right, and I mean billionaires weren't pay- right. paying any t- uh, I mean, taxes. I mean, think of Rockefeller, for example. I mean, that, those are the kind of names that could load up on deductions and pay very little tax. Credits and... Sure. So then we had the next major tax reform, and that was in 1986, the Tax Simplification Act. Good old uh, Ronald Reagan there. Yes. In fact, I was uh, in my professional career at that point. So he brought the rates back down to 28%. He did. It, it, it was it was a kind of a step, right? So it was 70% when he got into office, and uh, he originally brought it down to 50%. 50 yeah. And then with the Tax Reform Act of 1986, it, it eventually got down to 28%. Didn't stay there long, Joe. Well, no. I mean, if you just kind of follow the path of the tax code, right? Right. So it starts at 1% to 7%. Then it right. went all the way up to 91%. And yes. then it went down to 70%. Then to 50%. Then to 28%. Right? right. And then it went back up to 35%. So if you look at the Bush right. tax cuts, that was 2001, right? Mm-hmm. So then 2001, the Bush tax cuts, or EGTRA, that was what, the Economic Growth Relief Reconciliation Act, I think is what uh, that could is. Could be. I don't. I didn't. Rec- I didn't memorize it. So that's the Bush tax cuts. Yes. Right. So then that brought it to thirty-five percent. Right. Because actually, under Clinton, it had gone up to thirty-nine point six. Yeah, Bill Clinton. That yeah. is right. Yeah, for those of you that have just, <laughs> woke, just woke up, woke up. up. <laughs> right. And then now, so I mean, the real major tax reform was. What thirty years ago? That's great. Yeah, and then it, before exactly. that, it was thirty years before that. Interesting how that Interesting works. Interesting enough. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So twenty seventeen, okay. could we have tax reform? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Right. Um, so stick around, stay tuned because we can tell you a little bit about because there's 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 the Trump's plan. Right. And then there's the GOP plan. Right. And there's similarities, but there's some pretty big differences. Right. And so what a lot of experts are seeing is that, okay, well, here, they might be able to push something through or they could get caught up in their own party. Right. 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 Because you got Republicans in the House, Senate, and in the White House. and But with Paul Ryan's plan, it's a little bit different than Trump's plan. And we can kind of go through those subtle differences. Right. Or... Because of they don't have super control, right? Uh, it might turn out to be if they pass anything in 2017 or 2018, um, that it would be another type of, of reconciliation. Right? Yeah, it's it, where where it would yeah. last for a certain period of years, ten years, and then it sunsets back to where it was. Yeah, so that's that's, what, that, that, that's right. what happened with the Bush tax cuts. That's exactly right, Joe. And because I mean, if you look at it right now, you you look at Trump's plan. And it doesn't really fit the classic tax reform mold of simplification. In fact, in many ways, yeah, some things get taken away, but several things get added that add some layers of complexity. But the House GOP tax reform plan, it really aimed to simplify the tax system. In fact, have you seen their recommended tax return? It's 14 lines. Right. It's a postcard. 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 Now, not everyone's going to be able to fill out the postcard if you got a business or you own real estate or things like that. But if you got a salary and maybe a little bit of interest income and a mortgage, you can fill out this postcard and, and you would send it in and, and there's your taxes. So that was the uh, the House GOP's uh, main motivation. Now, Trump is, is a little bit different. So, you know, you're right. We've got majority
majority in the House. We got majority in the Senate. Now the House is a supermajority, but the Senate is not. So, in, and the supermajority in the Senate means you'd have to have 60 Republicans. So that means the Democrats get their say on the floor, and they can do what's called a filibuster, which means they can talk and talk and talk and talk, <laughs> so that bills never get voted on. Which is actually, to be fair, that's exactly what the Republicans did under Obama. Now the t- the tables have turned, and you, you you'll notice. I mean, you'll see that the Democrats doing that. So I guess the point is tax reform is not a slam dunk. Right. Right. Even though we've got a Republican president and a Republican majority in the House and Senate. And then you look at some of the different rates, which we'll get into. Um, but <clears throat> even though the tax rates are well, basically kind of staying the same except for the higher income, mm-hmm. right? There's just a few subtle differences that sure, we we'll go through. I agree with that statement. Um, I think yeah. the business side of things is a little bit different, the estate side of things. But for average, ordinary income wage earners, I don't think, in my opinion, I've ran the numbers, I've kind of taken a look at this, there's not going to be huge significant savings for the average Joe. It, it doesn't change that much. Now, there'll be a higher standard deduction, sure. other things like that, so that'll help people. will hurt others. Joe, it does. Yeah, but a single taxpayer... Yours truly. Yes, will hurt you. Uh, I'm going to pay at, more. At, at a certain income zone right. is exactly right. And capital gains uh, will be more expensive because that 20% will kick in sooner. So, I mean, there's... This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner. Alan Klopine sitting right next to me. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, boy. All right. So we're talking a little bit of uh, tax reform, uh, potential tax reform. It's not yeah, a- that's right. Because, I mean, even though we're talking last segment, Joe, even though it seems like it would be kind of a slam dunk, you got a Republican House and Senate and president. Uh, not necessarily, uh, because we have a couple different competing plans. We got Trump's plan, what, what he wants to do, and the GOP, Paul Ryan, they had already come up with their own plan last summer, right? right? And they're not exactly the same. And then you got the Democrats that may filibuster and try to get all kinds of compromises. So uh, we'll see what happens. So in a real quick nut- nutshell, um, on the ordinary income tax basis, this is w- what the proposes, uh, proposal is is that right now we have seven brackets. Right. They want to break that down to three. So we have a 10% bracket, 15, 25, 28, 33, 35, 39.6. So they just um, so the proposed is that they'll combine the 10 and the 15% tax bracket. They'll call it 12. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Right? That's so let's save average. you a couple of bucks. Yeah, right. right. Okay. Save you a couple of bucks. Sure. And then they'll combine the 25 and the 28% tax bracket, and they'll call it 25. So that's- A little right? savings there. S- yep. A couple savings there. And then anything over the 25, they're calling it 33. So they're going to say, all right, they're getting rid of the 35 and the 39.6 bracket. Anything over 200 Fifty thousand bucks, two thirty-one is going to be taxed at thirty-three percent, versus where it's stair-stepped even higher in today's tax code. Right, right. So that's yeah. Just in just to summarize, so ten to fifteen percent is about twelve. Twenty-five and twenty-eight percent currently is going to be twenty-five, and thirty-three, thirty-five, thirty-nine point six currently is only thirty-three. All thirty-three. Mm-hmm. So then now we're also increasing um, the standard deduction, but we're getting rid of. Exemptions. Exemptions, right? So, yeah, much higher standard deduction. And Joe, under Trump, he would like to have the standard deduction be 15000 for an individual and $30,000 for a married couple. What's the average, do you think? It's probably about 25000 bucks. What did you say for a married couple? 
in, in terms of what but, they write and, up. And, and like on their schedule A. Yeah, I would say for itemized deductions. Yeah, something like that. I mean, if I you, mean, we've if seen you, very high. You know, but. Southern California is a little bit higher than the rest of the country because our mortgages are higher and mortgage interest and, and, and property t- taxes, taxes are deductible. State taxes are deductible. But yeah, by and large, I mean, if, if you kind of look at where the average uh, itemized deductions rates are, they're 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 not that high. So this so in other words, I guess what we're saying is a lot of people are not going to have to itemize anymore, and their taxes will become simpler because they don't have to keep track of their charity and their state taxes and their DMV fees and on and on and on. Yeah, but I think that all will also hurt too. I think some t- people yeah, be, like to totally get hurt charity, some people, yeah, right? because yeah. they yeah. get the deduction, and then hey, well, if I don't necessarily have to give the charity anymore because I have a larger standard deduction. You know who it's going to hurt, Joe? At least under Trump's plan is. Um, is is first of all if you have a lot of kids because if you have a lot of kids you get an exemption of like forty one hundred dollars per person per, per kid so if you kid, have seven kids seven kids or ten kids right <laughs> ten kids you got forty grand in deductions and that's going away so you won't have that it also is uh, and they also first, so what he's trying to do is just say all right let's simplify this yeah instead right. of having the exemptions for the p the, the kids and a deduct or the standard deduction right. let's just combine it that's exactly right now someone else like a single parent that had a house Household status is is a better tax rate than the single status, but that would go away. And so if you're not married, it's just single, whether you have a kid or not. So that's going to hurt some of those people. And as you mentioned, Joe, last segment, single, single taxpayers that make between... what a hundred thirteen thousand? Yeah, and if about, you're over, if, yeah, if you're and, over and, a, a little bit over a hundred thousand dollars, you yeah, can pay more. Yeah, and that zone is like a hundred, hundred thousand, hundred thirteen thousand, a hundred ninety-two thousand. You're going to be paying higher taxes as an individual because you're going to be up in the thirty-three percent bracket, where before you would have been in the twenty-eight percent bracket. So, I mean, it, it sounds great, this great tax reform, and we and we're all going to save taxes, but that's not necessarily true when you get into the fine print. There will be less taxes going to the government, no question. About it, right, and hopefully that spurs more activity. That's right? the idea, that's the right? Idea, yeah, so. and we're not going to here to debate that and all that stuff, but uh, that that was that's the concept. So that's ordinary income. Um, there's also some credits too. Right. Yeah, and Joe, some of the credits under the Trump plan, the child credit, uh, and he's gonna he wants to do some above the line credits, uh, and so because because right now you know in terms of extra deductions, let's see if I, I get that page here, Joseph. Um, uh, let's see, an above-the-line deduction for child care expenses. Yeah, so available you the care savings yeah, accounts. And, and that, that's for up to four kids, so so you, you got you got something there, and that's, so that's helpful. And and, uh, for, and child care expenses and so forth. Above-the-line deduction for elder care expenses for caring for a dependent parent of up to $5,000 per year. And, you know, there's, all, there's a few other things, too, but those are probably the main two things where right now uh, there is a child credit, uh, but it's, it's, it's subject to income limitations. Uh, and also in terms of caring for your parent, there really is no kind of credit there. So now, and a lot of people are facing this, a lot of baby boomers are now caring for their parents or us baby boomers are going to be cared for by our kids. And so that's going to be something that occurs more and more. Then we look at capital gains. Um, capital gains rates right now, 0%, 15 and 20, depending on what your income levels are. So right. if you're in that 15 or 10% tax bracket today, it's 0%. Right. Then if you're in the 25% tax bracket to the 35% tax bracket, now that's 15. And then if you're in the top bracket, 39.6, then that makes it 20. Right. There's also the, the net investment income tax today, which is 3.8%. 
So basically, if you look at what Trump's plan, it's almost the same without the net investment income tax. Yeah, that's true, Joe, because the, the first, uh, that his 12% bracket, regular taxes, if you have a capital gain and your income in that income level, you don't pay any tax, it's zero tax. If you're in the 25, uh, or yeah, 25% bracket, then you're going to pay 15% on your capital gains. And if you get to the 33% bracket, which is around $230,000 of income, give or take, for a married couple, that's when you pay a 20% capital gains rate. Interestingly enough, Joe, the uh, House GOP rates are quite a bit different still. Yeah, the, what, they're, what they're saying there is they'll we'll cut it in half. Yeah, let's just take your ordinary, your capital gains, dividends, even interest income. Yeah, cut and, it in half. Any and kind of investment income, we're going to cut it in half, and so, then, then you pay your tax, which in, in essence is half of the rate. So let's say if I had a $10,000 capital gain, only 5000 of it would get shown up, would show up on my tax return. Right. And so if you're if you're in the 12% bracket, well, then you would pay 6%. So it's half of that and, and, and so forth, right? So anyway, those rates would be lower still. Right. Uh, but there's no 0% capital gains rate, though. Not in that one. Not in that so one. So yeah. stay tuned for that. So right now, capital tax lost or um, tax gain harvesting would be fairly huge type of strategy, which I'm going to get into when we get back from the break. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us today, talking some taxes, tax reform, some of the things that you may look out for in the future. Again, uh, of course, this is all proposed. Uh, nothing, of course, has been carved in stone because the president-elect is not in office, not in yet. office yet. Correct. So let me talk strategy. We've kind of right, blasted we, everyone with yeah facts and facts what, what, and what, numbers what, and right blah, with blah, the blah, blah. with the two different proposals, the Trump proposal, the GOP proposal. But and but now what? Yeah. All right. So l- let's start simple. Let's let's talk about a concept called tax gain harvesting. Um, I would imagine most individuals do not understand this or 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 not doing it. Right. So now, of course, this is going to depend. This this works well for retirees. Right. So if you're retired, have a little bit lower income, this is a key strategy that you might want to take a look at. And this applies to assets that are outside of any type of retirement account. So this is a stock, bond, mutual fund, real estate, any asset, capital asset outside of your retirement account that would be subject to a capital gain. If you are in the 10 or 15% tax bracket today, you sell that asset, there is no tax up to the top of the bracket. Simple example, let's say your taxable income is and you're married is fifty thousand dollars. The top of the fifteen percent tax bracket is seventy five thousand, roughly. So there's twenty five thousand dollars of room there. So let's say you have a stock that has twenty five thousand dollars in gains. You could sell that stock, buy it right back. So you take that gain of twenty five thousand dollars. You would not pay tax on that gain because you're in that. 10 and 15% tax bracket. You buy the stock back at a higher basis because capital gains, right? That 0% capital gains rate might go away. Now you're paying 6% on whatever gain that is. Or your income might be higher later because now you have required distributions or now your social security is kicking in or whatever the case may be. So tax gain harvesting. So you look at your tax bracket. Do you have any gains? It's the end of the year. You have a month to do this 
and I would highly encourage people to do just sell it. You can it, there's a watch sale rule Al, that I think people will probably get a little bit confused on. Yeah, there is, Joe, and that only applies when you're selling stocks at a loss. So if you're actually selling a stock at a gain, you can buy that back simultaneously or next day or, or whatever. And all that does is it resets your basis. And what that simply means is that when you eventually do sell that position permanently, you will have less gain because you've taken some of that gain off the table while you're in the lowest tax brackets. And actually, the tax rate, as you said, is zero. I think a lot of people don't realize that the, the 10 and 15% ordinary income tax bracket, which is taxable income, get out your tax return. Go to line 43. See what that number is. That'll tell you what your taxable income is. If you're married and it's below 75000 You've got some room to harvest gains. You can sell stocks and pay no taxes up to that point. Now, we get this question too, Joe. So you have $50,000 taxable income. I got a $40,000 gain, so that's going to push me up to $90,000. Well, here's how that works. The first $25,000 gain is tax-free. The other $15,000, because now you're over seventy-five, is taxed at the capital gains rate of 15%. So that's how that, it's, it's not, and we get this question. It's like, well, wait a minute. If I'm in the in the 15% regular bracket, I could sell my real, <laughs> real estate, estate yeah. with a million dollar gain and pay no tax? No, it's only up, up into that. that bracket. Yeah. But, but it's a great strategy. And honestly, we have a, a lot of people that are retired that are holding on to their single stock security. They're afraid to sell it because they're afraid to pay the tax. And they may not owe any tax on it if they're in the lowest bracket. Right. Sell it, buy it back if you want to hold the same stock. Yeah. Or diversify. Or, or diversify. Right. Do whatever, whatever, whatever that you want to do. Whatever but, makes sense for yes, you. Yes. From a tax perspective, this is huge. Um, you know, I, I, I sat down with an I- individual hypothetically, right? Um, allegedly, <laughs> this week, retired. It, it's December. Thank goodness he came in, right? right? It was like um, the, he had some mutual funds that he bought 25 years ago, right? And I was like, well, do you like these funds? He's like, no, I don't like these funds. Um, well, why are you still? Because I bought them 25 years ago, right? And there's just too much gain. I don't. I well, I don't want to pay the tax. Yeah. And I was like, well, you could sell X amount here, right? He didn't have any ordinary because he was living off of cash. Married. Seventy five thousand dollars is the top, right? Plus deductions, exclusions, exemptions, and everything else. He could sell quite a bit of the gain on those funds and not pay any tax at all. And so you have to understand that things might be changing here for the good or for the worse, depending on what your overall situation is. So getting a grasp on your overall situation before the end of the year to make sure that you can take advantage of anything that you should be taking advantage of this year and then set yourself up appropriately for whatever changes may or may not happen. Right, it, it, education is so key. If you get it, if you understand, hey, if this happens, all right, this is this will be my path. If this doesn't happen, all right, well, it's still my path. Or you, you know, then it can maybe, maybe you're about to do something that could potentially blow you up. So yeah. just looking at um, the taxes this year is key. Also, making sure that you understand what potentially could be coming down the pipe. It is, Joe. And and the interesting thing about it is when we talk about a strategy like this, it will work for some people. It would be the exact wrong Opposite, thing for somebody right. else. For example, now you let's say you go to your tax return and your taxable income is $500,000. So are you a good candidate for this tax gain harvesting? Probably not, because if you sell the asset right now, it's a 20% federal capital gain plus a 3.8% Medicare surtax, so it's close <laughs> to 24%. 
What's it going to be under Trump? Well, it would be a potentially a flat 20 percent. Or under the GOP program, it would be it'd be about 16 or 16 and a half percent. So it would it could be cheaper, right? So it's it, we we do talk strategies, but it's really important to know where you're at because what works for one person, it'll be completely different for and someone else. You know, but most people listen to this show for about 30 seconds. I know, and they and, and they, they, go, they go and then they're like, oh yeah, I think that's a great idea, right? Right. And then they do it, and then it's like, oops. Or, oh, well, now how do I undo this? Well, no, a lot of this stuff is irrevocable. Right. So, and I think that's why sometimes people are paralyzed too. They don't get it, they don't understand it, so they don't do anything. Right. And then that's probably even worse. <laughs> probably. Yeah, Joe. And, and another thing is tax loss harvesting in some cases where maybe it makes sense. You've got an asset that went down in value. You go ahead and sell it. You create a loss on your tax return. You buy something similar. Now here you can't cannot buy that same asset for 31 days, but you buy something similar, so you're still in the market, and now you've got a loss that can net against all other capital gains, whether they're this year or future years. IRS lets you carry over those losses to, to, to go against any other capital gains in the future. Now, we will have people that will tax less harvesting in, in their IRA. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It, it, this is for a non-IRA account. This is a non-retirement account. What you do inside your IRA doesn't have any tax bearing whatsoever. Then we'll have people that are in the lowest tax bracket where they would have paid zero tax anyway. They're tax less harvesting, and it's like, well, you don't. It, it's not even relevant for right, you. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Right. It's, all you did is create a transaction costs. Right. For no particular for, reason. For no particular reason. Right. Yeah. And then you got to wait 31 days to buy because it's at a loss. <laughs> so, no, understand what the overall goals are. And I, and I get sometimes money is very intimidating to people, numbers and math and everything else. It's like, oh, well, I'm just not going to do anything. Right. Because you know what? I've saved money for the last 30 years. I was able to accumulate a little bit of a nest egg. And you know what? I'm afraid to make some changes here. Well, th- today's different, right? I mean, we got interest rates that are creeping up. Right, we might see some interest-bearing um, accounts again here. We'll see what that looks Making like. Making more than a tenth of a percent. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and you know, we got volatile stock markets. We got the ever-changing, you know, you know, tax landscape. People are living longer. Healthcare right. costs yeah, and yeah. so on. There's a lot of uncertainty. So, with that being said, that doesn't mean you don't do anything. You get educated. You figure out what is my situation. What are my goals? And making sure that you're proactive and take action. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner, Big Al Clopine, CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're talking uh, taxes. Could be uh, some tax reform coming up. Uh, Al and I are doing our end of year uh, tax planning special workshop coming up December 6th and December 10th. December 6th is in uh, San Diego, uh, Mission Valley, Sheridan, 10 a.m., 12 noon, and then in Costa Mesa. Right, 10 a.m., 12 noon. That's Saturday the 10th. So um, if you'd like to attend, here is the number, 888-994-6257, 888-994-6257. And what we'll be talking about is ideal strategies that you want to look at before year-end. Things may be changing, so you want to understand what the tax situation looks like today. Also, what could happen in the future, and you do not want to potentially miss out because it could be several thousand dollars for some. It could be hundreds of thousands for others. Yeah, Joe, one of the proposals. Now, essentially, there's there's two main proposals on the table right now, the Trump plan 
and the House GOP plan. They worked on that last summer, and they both want to change the way that we deduct uh, uh, itemized deductions. So what's an itemized deduction? Medical expenses, state tax, property tax, mortgage interest, charity, things like that. So in terms of the Trump plan, he wants to limit the total of itemized deductions to $100,000 per individual or $200,000 for a married couple. So for a lot of the, us, it's no big deal. But if you're wanting to give a big charitable donation to, to uh, your church or someone like that, you might want to do it this year because you won't have those same limitations. Next year, who knows? Next year, we may have these, these limitations in terms of how much you can actually deduct on your charity. Yeah, so you want to look at, all right, well, Hey, what are some strategies that you want? I mean, if you give a lot to charity, I suppose. You do, right. right. And so I I think a lot of people are going to be looking into donor-advised funds this year. A donor-advised fund, it's kind of like a a mini private foundation. It's probably a good way to say it. So you set up an account at a custodian. You put money to that account, or better yet, you put an appreciated stock into that account. And whatever that stock is worth or dollars you put in, that's your tax deduction. In the year that you put it in, uh, and then you control this fund and you decide what charity gets what amount whenever you want to do it, years down the road. Right. So, you put 100 grand in, you get a 100 grand tax deduction today. Right now. Then, right now. Then you can then distribute the money out. 15, 20, 30 years from now. Yeah, exactly. So so think about it this way. If tax rates actually do go down, you're going to rather have the tax deduction this year when tax rates are higher. Or if you get phased out of your itemized deductions in future years, you're going to want to get that deduction this year. So a lot of people are looking at these donor-advised funds right now. So tax gain harvesting, tax loss harvesting, donor-advised funds. Um, what else? Uh, the House GOP plan, uh, Joe, in terms of itemized deductions, they are uh, planning on keeping mortgage deductions and charitable deductions, but nothing else. So, in other words, your property tax, done. State taxes, done. Right? Those types of things, your, your unreimbursed employee expenses, medical expenses. So if you have those kinds of expenses and you can pay some extra this year to cover some of that, to actually get the deduction, that could be pretty useful. And in some cases, people save a few hundred dollars. In other cases, they, you may save thousands of dollars just by timing when you pay or prepay some of these bills. Right. And again, so then it's a little bit of forecast here. It's looking at, all right, well, where am I at now? Where do I think I'm going to be in the future? What Because it might not happen next year. It could happen it might in not. 28, That's 8, right. 18, or it may never happen. Who knows? But right. I think it's looking at things just a little bit more... Uh with, with some education behind it. Well, I think so, too. And, Joe, here's another big one, and, and that is the Roth conversion. So we talk about this on the show all the time. You're allowed to take money out of your IRA and convert it to a Roth IRA. Why would you want to do that? Well, all future growth and income and principles tax-free inside of the Roth IRA. The problem is you have to pay tax on the conversion. So you want to be careful how much you convert based upon your tax brackets. But one of the real benefits of the Roth conversion is for you and potentially your beneficiaries will get all that money tax-free. And there's this thing called a stretch IRA right now currently, uh, which means that if you were to pass away and your kids get your IRA, a stretch IRA means they can withdraw that money over their lifetime. 
right? So if, uh, if your, your son or grandson or whatever is 20, 30 years old, they have 50, 60 years with which to withdraw that money. So they take little pieces out. It doesn't really put them in a higher tax right, bracket. Right, you get the compound growth of everything else That's tax-free. Right. But with the, with the stretch IRA, it's likely going away because Trump doesn't like it. Even Obama didn't like it, and the GOP don't like it. So it's probably going away. Well, yeah, the chair finance committee signed la- or this year, what, 60 to 0, yeah, um, that it's they're getting rid of. They're it. getting rid of it. So here's, but here's the 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 deal is that you will have a four hundred fifty thousand exclusion within the IRA. So what does that mean? So if you have a four hundred thousand dollar IRA or Roth IRA, then the non-spouse beneficiary will still be able to stretch out the tax liability over their lifetime. If it's over that four fifty. Right, so then any dollar over that four fifty has a five year window for it to be fully distributed. A simple example: you got five hundred thousand dollars in your retirement account. Now, this does not apply to spouses. So, if you have a spouse, you pass away, the spouse can take your account and move it into the surviving spouses, vice versa. But this is only when it goes to a non-spouse. So kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, or maybe girlfriend, boyfriends, whatever, right? If you're not a spouse, this will apply to you. 450 is the exclusion. You die with 500 grand in your retirement account. So 450, they can stretch the other 50,000, distribute it out within five years. So this really applies to a lot of you that has large balances in your overall retirement accounts. I highly encourage you to take a look at now maybe um, getting money into a Roth, getting those dollars into a Roth IRA, because if the children have to take the thing out in five years, it's going to blow them up too. And everything that you worked for is all, all right. 40% of it's gone. That's right, Joe. And and I mean, we honestly, we've seen IRA balances, three, four, five million above seven. that, seven million. And so well, let's, let's say you have one beneficiary. Your neighbor has a hundred million. <laughs> right. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Mitt. <laughs> Mitt, my neighbor Mitt. Huh? Yeah. Yes, that's that's right. So He lives close to you, right? Uh, I don't think so. Well, I don't know. Does he live in Del Mar or he's somewhere? Got, right? he's, he's got a home up North County somewhere. Anyway, my point is $5 million IRA. I'm going to ignore the exclusion right now to make this real simple. You got one kid. The kid gets your $5 million IRA. The kid has to take out a million dollars a year with the stretch being gone. What do you think a million dollars is going to do to his or her tax bracket? Right. It's obviously in the maximum bracket, and a whole lot of these dollars, federal and state, are going to be lost to taxes. So here's the deal. Here's kind of the, the theme of this is that, all right, well, hey, we want to get rid of the estate tax, right? Hey, no more estate tax. But guess what? Let's get rid of the stretch IRA. Let's get rid of step up in cost basis. Let's get rid of, the, right? So it, it's, it, it's a give and take here. So when people think, hey, no estate tax, that's great. But then, again, it's going to affect a lot more people because a lot more people have IRAs over, let's say, $500,000 than people that have an estate over $11 million. Correct. You know what I mean? Yes. And so now it's just really protecting everything that you worked for. Net unrealized appreciation is another one that's probably on the chopping block. That's taking stock out of your retirement account, moving it into a brokerage account to enjoy capital gains tax. The backdoor Roth IRA. Then there's also potentially going to be limits on our retirement accounts. All of this is probably going to happen within, I don't know, first quarter, um, is what some experts say. So don't take my word for it. We're just giving you the information here on the radio.